Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue should Central be back, Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right. Welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils, all of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards worldwide. Go to butcherbbq.com to stock up. October 1st, this is where it all went the hell last time. October 1st, Dave Bosca is slated to join us. How exciting. Okay. Not sure exactly what happened, but the uh, cat is out of the bag. We will now race to the hotline. And welcome back, third Tuesday of the month, guest Stephen Rifle. Hey, Stephen. All right, Stephen, are you there? I am here. Oh, my God. We are battling technical issues the likes we haven't seen since the early 80s i apologize for that Stephen. you're right on time uh, i don't know exactly what the hell is going hey, are, on here are you wearing your pajama bottoms is the secret out now well i mean it's not pajama bottoms these are what i call my comfy clothes you know i go right to bed after the show i mean it's 11 o'clock i gotta go right to bed i'm up at five running five miles so you know let's do it cozy right <laughs> why not all right, so uh, Stephen Reichlin is here, and we are talking uh, live fire as we do the third Tuesday of the month with him. And uh, let's start with the recent blog post. So I always love going to barbecuebible.com, which is where everybody should be going on a regular basis. So not only can we kind of follow what you're up to, but there's recipes, stuff that you're doing. Every once in a while, you invite some guests on, and they give their own recipes and stuff too. Uh, skirt steak. Let's talk about skirt steak and... Uh, what the best uses are in your estimation, and uh, perhaps uh, more importantly, like what I'm not a big skirt steak. I don't see it a lot, I guess, or it's just not readily available to me, so it's not like top of the mind to go look for. So, uh, what's a good skirt steak look like, and how do we want to use it? Well, skirt steak. I mean, first of all, the Spanish word or the Mexican Spanish word for it is fajita, and that's where we get the dish fajitas. It's a skinny, long strip of meat that goes around the underbelly of the steer. Uh, it's a fibrous cut, like flank steak, uh, but uh, if you cook it quickly and you don't overcook it and you slice it uh, thinly, it is super flavorful and uh, as tender as you could wish for. I, I call it a real steak lover's steak. You know, it has a real meaty, beefy flavor. Is there a inner and an outer skirt too? I mean, if we're starting to, to break it down, do you know? Uh, actually, I'm not aware of an inner and outer. There may be. Uh, that would be a question for uh, a butcher or a, a meat anatomist. All right, well, we might have a butcher on in the second hour, so I'll ask the uh, world champ of the American Royal Open uh, what he knows about in and out skirt steaks. So. Um, the other thing that I see a lot with skirt steaks, and I guess uh, maybe I don't want to say steaks in general, but is uh, chimichurri, right? So uh, I'm sure a lot of people know about chimichurri and its very high levelness, but uh, I don't know. Uh, this is going to come to no surprises you, right, Stephen? Over the years, we know that I'm a pretty lame palate guy. I've seen chimichurri. I've seen it made on Food Network a hundred times. I don't think I've actually ever had 
chimichurri on steak or as a side of any thing that to put over something. So uh, let's talk. Evans, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? Come on over for dinner, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, gas up the private jet and uh, we'll go due north. So let's talk uh, about chimichurri, the components that it's made up of and best uses. Sure. Chimichurri is the national steak sauce of Argentina and Uruguay. Uh, it's a very simple mixture. It's You could think of it as a pesto uh, made with garlic and flat leaf parsley instead of basil. Uh, no nuts or cheese. Or you could think of it as a uh, an herb-scented and uh, garlic-fortified uh, uh, vinaigrette sauce. <laughs> Basically, you put garlic and parsley in a food processor, grind them up, uh, add wine vinegar for acidity, olive oil for richness, and enough salt and pepper to bring it all together. Some people like to add hot pepper flakes too. And when you're in Argentina or Uruguay, this is the table sauce that you'll find. Every version is slightly different. Uh, on the website this week, uh, we're featuring steak sauce with three chimichurris. Okay, so the first one I just described, that's the most common, very widely enjoyed uh, around the uh, U.S., around North America, around the world. And uh, it's actually one of the great steak sauce success stories. What I like about it, there isn't a gram of an ounce of sugar in it. Mm -hmm. So it is a completely serious, non-sweet sauce for beef. Um, by the way, interesting variation. You can substitute cilantro and or mint for some of the parsley, and you wind up with a three-herb or two-herb chimichurri. All right. It's great. By the way, the word is believed to come for uh, from a Basque term uh, for all mixed up or a mixture. Anyhow, so that's the first chimichurri, the most uh, widely available. Now, when I was researching Barbecue Bible, I came across a dry chimichurri, and this is probably the original chimichurri. Uh, it was dried oregano, uh, dried thyme, uh, mixed with salt, hot pepper flakes, and you either use it dry as a rub or you... Uh, sprinkle it, uh, you dissolve a little oil in it, and then just kind of that's those dry herbs and oils. Very similar, primitive. If you eat steak in the countryside in Argentina or on a ranch in Argentina or Uruguay, that's what you're likely to get. <laughs> now, the third type of chimichurri, uh, I found that uh, a landmark uh, chop house in Buenos Aires called La Cabana, the old one. The old La Cabana, which had a chandelier the size of a Volkswagen. It was very kind of clubby, old Argentina. And that chimichurri is actually reddened with tomato and roasted bell pepper, mm. hot pepper flakes. So three different colors of chimichurri, three different styles, uh, all of them heaven sent for your skirt steak. So is the middle one that you were talking about like that, uh, I guess what you would say is the traditional one, is that more of almost like a finishing dust, if you will? So you would cook it and then... Uh, finish it, uh, finish that beef with it over the top and then serve? Well, to be honest with you, just trying to be an accurate reporter, the way it was served, it was uh, those dry ingredients, right? The salt, the uh, pepper, hot pepper flakes, oregano, uh, um, dried thyme were mixed and then dissolved in a little oil. So it was kind of like an herb flavored oil that was spooned over steak. It was great. Now I, you know, always in the spirit of deconstructing and reconstructing, I actually like to make that dry mixture, use it as a rub for the steak, then add the oil separately to keep the steak moist during grilling, then serve the fresh chimichurri on top. So it's multiple layers of chimichurri. Do you have any idea how 
well known the other two chimichurris are? I mean, uh, like here not in the very, states, I guess. Not, not very. I've never seen them. Uh, I've never seen them uh, outside of Argentina. Uh, we are, in fact, you know, with my project Smoke uh, Spice Rub line, we are working on a uh, an Argentinian steak rub that, in fact, will be this dry chimichurri. All right. So I I know you are a fan of cilantro, and yes. uh, I am a huge fan of cilantro. But cilantro seems to be uh, falling in that love hate, uh, and I, and I don't I don't understand the hate, um, but. Very simple explanation. Okay, let's hear it. In roughly 10% of the population, the taste bud wiring and chemistry is such that when you eat fresh cilantro, it tastes like soap. Really? It's like the way some people are colorblind and some people aren't. Well, some people, about 10% of the population, taste cilantro and what they get is soap. And my wife is in that category, which oh, no. is terrible because I love cilantro. Right. Wow, we well, that's a great bit of information here given up by Stephen Reichland. BarbecueBible.com, of course, is the website. Let me ask you about as we're kind of in the in the beef mood here. Uh, I've been get I don't know why exactly, but I've been getting a lot of questions uh, during the course of the week about pit beef, and I know pit beef. Man, it was you know what seems like a hundred years ago uh, when I was watching you on Barbecue University through PBS doing Baltimore pit beef sandwiches on that big uh, Weber Ranch kettle. So I wanted to ask you about it, and maybe we can just kind of briefly go over a little history and what the traditional cut would be and how you would make it and surf. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So, yeah, I grew up in Baltimore. Pit beef was Baltimore's uh, version of barbecue. You had to go down to Pulaski Highway, which was definitely on the wrong side of town uh, where I grew up, <laughs> to get it. Uh, the meat they used, uh, they typically traditionally used uh, top round or bottom round, so a real tough uh, flavorful but tough cut of beef, which was grilled over charcoal. And the way you made it not only edible but palatable was slicing it paper thin on a meat slicer. So you shorten those uh, meat fibers to next to nothing. Um, and that's still how it's prepared on Pulaski Highway. Uh, Chaps is kind of the favorite, the famous go-to place for pit beef. Uh, now, in Project Fire, uh, this season, my show on PBS, we did what I called an uptown pit beef sandwich, you know, because I, you probably gathered by now, I'm always tinkering with recipes. Yep. So instead of the cheap, tough, top round or bottom round, I took a, a rib roast, a prime rib roast, and I spit roasted it on a wood-burning rotisserie, a Kalamazoo wood-burning rotisserie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I used, a, it was a pretty simple rub. It was a salt, pepper, uh, garlic powder, onion powder, hot pepper flake kind of rub. And got it just super crusty. Now, because that pit beef, you know, prime rib is so tender, you don't need to slice it paper thin. Uh, the sauce is traditionally, it's a horseradish sauce. I use, uh, make a mayonnaise horseradish sauce. And it's served traditionally on a Kaiser roll. I may have used a brioche bun. There may have been some thinly sliced onions, but... It's a magnificent, and you know you can find that on my website barbecuebible.com. It's uh, actually you can find the old school version and the new school version, but it's a great sandwich. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention before uh, we take off here this evening, and I apologize for the bridge segment here because of my technical issues, was the fact that, uh, and this was your note to me before we went on a little bit ago, that the James Beard Award Committee has decided to change it up a little bit and make California and Texas their own region. So uh, making those two regions, how was it prior, and do you have any insight as to why they decided to bust these two out on their own? 
Uh, well, how it was before was Texas was part of uh, the South. And if you think about the enormous diversity of cuisines uh, going from Florida to New Orleans, uh, to the Carolinas, to Georgia, you know, Atlanta, Dallas, Miami, I mean, there is no coherent reason to group those together. Mm -hmm. And Texas is undergoing such an immense renaissance, food renaissance today. Uh, and, uh, you know, with regards to California, I mean, the same thing. California is enormous. And uh, to lump Nevada and uh, Arizona and, and uh, Oregon and Washington together with California, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it made very much sense to divide and conquer. I think part of the motivation from this actually stems from barbecue. And you may remember that in 2015, Aaron Franklin of Franklin's Barbecue became the first uh, barbecue restaurant ever to win a regional James Beard Award. So I think that got the Beard Foundation thinking about Texas and all its incredible bounty in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, do you think California is food sustainable enough or diverse enough? I mean, certainly, you know, Southern California, San Diego on up. But I mean, don't you get to a certain point in California where it's really just mostly cows before you get into Oregon? Greg, my God. I mean, Los Angeles ought to be its own region. And I, uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised if it someday it is. But <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you think about California. So you've got L.A. I mean, you've got San Diego with the heavy Mexican cross-border influence. Los Angeles, which is a melting pot of everything. Uh, Asian, uh, Hispanic, um, New American. San Francisco has a very different cuisine. Then there's the, you know, the the, the uh, uh, Berkeley with its orientation of health food. You go up into the Napa Valley, Sonoma Valley, the wine country cuisine. I think it was a very good call. All right. Uh, we are talking with Stephen Reichlin. He is happy to show up. Well, at least I think he is. He's happy to show up here the third Tuesday of every month. <laughs> uh, you didn't answer right away, and I uh, got nervous. What, what do you mean? Well, I was uh, usually you call it exactly ten sixteen, and it wasn't till uh, oh. nine. Wasn't until nine eighteen. I thought, oh my god! Yes, I know. Oh, just the, the technical bugs were abound. So I appreciate your stick-to-itiveness here and uh, muscling through as always. Again, third Tuesday of the month. Stephen Reichlin is here. In the meantime, barbecuebible.com and projectfire.com as well. That's the TV show on PBS. Stephen, always appreciate the time, and we'll look for you again next month. Good to see you. All right, there he is, Stephen Reichel. Muscling through, and I mean, really, we're, we're still in the middle of a tremendous bug issue right now. Wow, we. Uh, I have, I, I'm hoping that my local recording is going to be good enough for me to rip the audio off. So uh, don't be too scared if the audio isn't like right up tomorrow in the podcast form. We're, we're working on it. For some reason, the bug must have been in the uh, audio recording software. I mean, can that be? Adobe Audition, have you let me down? Do I have to find another lover? Grill Girl coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about Hartville Hard. It's going on this weekend. Oh, my God. If you are on the fence... You are quickly running out of time to buy your plane tickets to get to Cleveland and then drive about 45 minutes to an hour south and then east to Hartville, Ohio. Yes, it is a dry county. Get over it. You can hang out with the likes of me. Yes. Hartville Hardware, the 
country's largest hardware store. To put in perspective, there's homes inside the hardware store. Homes inside the hardware store. There's a huge grilling area and retail area, like 3,000, 4,000 square feet. There's going to be an all-day event coming up on Saturday. We're going to kick it off around 10 a.m. I'll be there 8, 8.30, hobnobbing with top men and women in the industry. And then, as I said, 10 o'clock, we'll kick it all off. There's going to be live demonstrations. Diva Q's got at least two live ones going on. Lisa Delgado, who will be repping the Big Green Egg, has at least one, possibly two going on. There's going to be somebody from Weber also putting on live demonstrations. Live demonstrations like crazy. Also, there's going to be a rib contest. I don't know if there's actually openings still or not. But you want to give Hartville Hardware a call if they have openings. Go ahead and enroll. You, I think you can use Weber grills. You can use Big Green Egg grills. You can use Traeger grills if you want. Some of those might be sold out. Then you can buy used grills at a discount at the end. I'll be judging the rib contest. I believe Diva and Lisa and the Weber person will be part of that judging as well. Some folks from Hartville Hardware. So, you know, you at least got two good pallets. Me and the D bringing the heat. So competitors doing your rib contest, you better bring it because at least two of us are going to be judging with a discerning barbecue palette. Again, heartvillehardware.com is the website. Grillfest 2019, 10 a.m. this coming Saturday. Hang out, ask questions, interact. We'll take pictures. We'll sign autographs. It's going to be great. Me and DivaQ in the same place, interacting live. We've done it on this show for years. We will do it live for you in person twice in one day, at least twice. HeartvilleHardware.com. That's HeartvilleHardware.com. We're back with Robin Lindars right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all your pellet-driven cookers, you visit CookinPellets.com for more information. You can also purchase there. If you're leery of cookingpellets.com website for some reason, you go to Amazon.com. You purchase there as well. They also have a bunch of dealers scattered across the country, so check it out. Maybe looking at the dealers first might be closer to you, and you're supporting the dealers of Cooking Pellets who support this show. See, it's a thing. Do I spy Butcher's Daughter Barbecue in the chat on YouTube? Donna Fong. Wow. Honored. What's up, Donna? Happy to have you in the chat. All right. We will do this first, and we'll go do that. Uh, joining me now, the second, third Tuesday of the month guest, a creator of a site called GrillGirl.com. She currently has 17,500 Instagram followers and counting. And my pal, Robin Lindars. Hey, Robin. What's up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous and appreciate you making time for the show. As always, bad and a little technical issues here, so uh, hopefully everything uh, stays bang up as it did through the balance of Stephen Reichland's interview, but we'll see how it goes. So, uh, Fingers crossed. what's going on with your audio? Something changed? 
Can you hear me okay? Yeah, but it sounds like you're on the phone. I'm on uh, earbuds. Is that you want me to take them off? Yeah, take them off. Sounds like crack. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's way better. Way better. That's way better. Yeah, look. Uh, Robin, uh, I don't want to chastise you live in front of a studio audience here, but if you're going to uh, F with the audio setup, this is like stuff that we have to test out prior to air, right? If we have something so that works, we have something this that works, we stay with what works. Oh. He took all the little rubber things off my earbuds. Oh, dear. <laughs> Look at these. these kids. They got their fingers and they're just pulling everything off. All right. So here we go. I have uh, one question to lead with, of course. How much money is in your bank account? Let's hear it. Uh-oh. Is that a joke? You get the joke? No. What? I don't. Robin, you must be a big fan of the show. Uh, I was receiving emails from listeners that said that I was asking rude questions of my guests, like how much money is in your bank account, which I never asked anybody that. Somehow they derived me asking a completely unrelated question that. So as a joke, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, the first question I asked to my guest is how much money is in your bank account? Because I would never ask that of anybody. I'm just trying to make a point. Anyway. I how- don't know. I've never heard you ask that. You, I've known of you course. for a really long time and you've never asked me. It's outrageous. Well, until so tonight. You must be smoking some crack. Yes. Put down your that. crack, you crackheads. <laughs> outrageous. Now, last month we were talking, as I had said in the open, when I think of invasive things in Florida, it's usually the, that wild boar stuff where they're rooting their tusks into your a Bermuda grass and tearing it up and killing dogs and killing cats and all this other stuff. But I had no idea it was these iguanas, which I've always thought were like peaceful creatures. And, you know, maybe you could see one every so often like Haley's Comet. But as you told us last month, not the fact at all. And they're like more prevalent than M&Ms on candy shelves of grocery stores, these things. And you've been ordered by state to shoot and kill at will, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Um, I used to also think, you know, they're cute. And I used to have some little baby ones in my backyard. And um, it, and then, you know, I moved recently and it all kind of came about my girlfriend. We were chit-chatting and she was like, I feel so bad, but I killed like 16 iguanas in my backyard. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, they're just so gross and they poop all over my car. And she's like, yeah, I have a pellet gun and I shoot them. And then Hmm. my husband comes and puts them in the trash. And then I was like, what? That's, I had no idea. You know, like you see them around, but I think some neighbor neighborhoods, they just get like super out of control. Hmm. And so, yeah, Fish and Wildlife has um, basically said you can kill them if you if you want because they are invasive and they've the population has just grown. And that's what happens with a lot of invasive species. They don't have natural predators, so then they do go crazy. And so the story goes, you know, I never thought I would be like, let's eat some iguana. But, you know, I happened to post something like on my Instagram, like just making a joke because, you know, we Floridians, you know, let's just admit it. Sometimes things are a little crazy down here and I think I made a joke like okay I have an alligator living in my backyard now my husband's shooting wild boar on her property and one of my best girlfriends is shooting iguanas in her back like in her backyard so WTF you know and then um this other person I know on Instagram this guy from Panama was like 
oh, well, I'm going to give you my grandmother's iguana recipe. It's delicious. And I was like, what? And then um, I had another friend like, yeah, haven't you heard? It's called chicken of the tree. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, but <laughs> it made me start to think I felt guilty because like people are killing these and, and literally just dumping them in the trash. Like yeah. I have another girlfriend, like an Instagram friend that lives on the, the west, the southwest coast of Florida, and um, they actually have their own like chest freezer that they keep the the, the iguanas in until trash day, because you know you don't want animals rotting in your trash can until you know it's time to pick them up. Yeah. So it made me think, why don't I work on an iguana recipe? Because it's kind of sad that they're just all that meat's going to waste, and they're just getting dumped in the trash. Like if people are gonna kill them anyway, why not like make use of this resource? Um, and so. Lo, lo and behold, you know, I figured it was just something that was going on in South Florida, and now I live in Southwest Florida. Um, just drive on the other side. But when I this, I'm going out, going off on a tangent here. But um, I had that alligator that was hanging out in the river behind my house, and it was kind of freaking me out. So I called the nuisance alligator hotline, and I got to kind of be friends with the trapper, and he could never get the alligator to go away. Um, but then I haven't seen him lately, so I'm happy, right? Like, um, but I ended up buying some alligator meat with him because I wanted to experiment with it. And while I was talking with him, he was like, oh, yeah, there's a ton of iguanas around here. And I was like, really? And so um, I went out and I've been kind of like scouting and I bought myself an air rifle, a 22 air rifle, a 22 caliber air rifle. Um, Let's see it. You got it? I do. Oh, do yes. Show us the guns. <laughs> Look at that thing! Holy moly! Let me uh, let me get a tight shot. Uh, All right, let's see that thing. You, um, wow. we look at. I that. haven't put the scope on it yet. Um, Shoot one in the wall and see if it works. I haven't even loaded it. Like I literally just took it out of the box. Really? But um, I'm get yeah. I'm I'm working on it. I I need to get Scott to really show me how to use it. But I can't believe you can even buy something like that off of Amazon. It's well, it's crazy. A, I mean, it's a pellet gun. Yeah, it's an air pellet, but it's a 22, so I think it's got a bigger pellet, and I bought the one that'll shoot 10 rounds in a row because I don't want to... It's a semi-automatic pellet gun? Pretty much, yeah. Wow, we Nice. I and like that's that. what the nuisance alligator... I just exactly, because I didn't want to just, like, maim an animal if I'm going to shoot to kill, I want to do it and not... I don't want to be inhumane and, and then just, you know, so... Like, I know once we tried to kill a pot, like, Scott tried to kill a possum with, like, a BB gun in our backyard, and, and it didn't do it well. He kept shooting it, and then he had, it was like, you know, I just felt bad about the whole thing. Hmm. Let me tell you an, so a quick opossum like, story. So, um, Can I tell you a quick opossum story? When I was a youth <laughs> living in uh, Cleveland, uh, well, I mean, I, I live in Cleveland, but a different part of Cleveland growing up, and uh, a opossum came out of the backwoods in the middle of the day. So you know what that means. That possum is sick as a dog and it came out kind of limping and hissing and it was a whole thing my dad took a cinder block over his oh. head and boom just crushed oh, it oh man and this thing was bad news you know they're ugly as hell anyway it had to be 75 pounds and he just skull stomped it and then picked it up by his tail and threw it back into the woods i mean it was like manly stuff it was uh you know it was a very proud moment for all of us oh my god yeah. well they are kind of grody, and you definitely don't want to have, like, run-ins with your pets and stuff. And, yeah, that possum that we, you know, that Scott tried to kill, he ended up having to drown in the pool 
because the pellets didn't work. And I was like, I don't want to ever, I don't want that to ever like happen again, you no. know? So, no. um, but I haven't found any iguanas of my own. And um, so I Googled nuisance iguana removal and met up with this guy named Nick and got some iguana meat from him. And he's the guy that I sent you pictures. I mean, there are some places that are just having like total outbreaks, like in one neighborhood, he, he picked up 76 iguanas alone, which is pretty crazy. Wow. So um, I guess the whole point is, is like, I just felt bad that people are just killing them. At least like you can make use of the meat. You know, like if, you, if you've ever read my, my website, you'll see that I have a lionfish recipe, which lionfish is another invasive species and not just in Florida, but like the entire East Coast and they're getting in the West Coast and they um, originally come somewhere from Asia and they were, the story is they were let off um, somewhere near Fort Lauderdale and they've like really, they've, they have no natural predators either. Hmm. And they're like decimating the oceans because nothing eats them and they eat everything. And so, so there's the saying, eat them to beat them. So they've, they've been, um, at least in Florida, making them commercially available where you can cook them and actually they taste really good. So it's like a, a way to get on top of them. Nice. So. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I'd say, trying to make some lemonade out of lemons, if you will. So are you, like, close to some kind of a recipe reveal, or do you still, like, you need the meat first in order to figure out how you're going to... And is it processed already, or, I mean, do you have to, like, rip the skin and dress and do all the dirty stuff? Yeah, I actually have two iguanas already skinned in my freezer right now. Um, so I'm going to start playing around with one, and... You know, I'd love to grill them because I know I'm a grill girl and my recipe is all about grilling, but I honestly think they'd probably be better fried, like some fried iguana tacos, kind of like a Baja fish taco, because mm. I've heard they taste a lot like alligator and alligator, in my opinion, is also best fried. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's what I'm working on. And, and to do justice to the guy who gave them to me, he didn't charge me for the meat or anything. I, I want to really... Um, do a video or, or really kind of make a big splash about it. But that's that's definitely coming. So it should be should be really interesting. Um, in the spirit of always trying new things this year, I am definitely trying something new. Who knew I would be uh, developing an iguana recipe? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it certainly never crossed my mind, not even for a second. And um, did you take video of, like, getting the skin off and all that stuff? I mean, we got to see it, like, from beginning to end, I think. Well, that's what I really want to do. So he just gave me the meat already. Oh, he already prepared it. So my goal is that I really want to get my own and do the field dressing and, and video that part. And ideally what I'd like to do, and I, I want to just try to break the internet with this, is you know how a lot of people take um, like the, the alligators and like smoke them, but like leave the head on or something? Um, I want to do that with the iguanas. Like I'd actually love to stick it on my pellet smoker and leave the head on and maybe even some of the back and like smoke it. And just and honestly, just for the shock value, I think it would just be crazy and different and fun. So when I do get my own, when I do harvest my own iguana, that's what I'd like to do. Hmm. All right. Well, I can't wait to follow the uh, exploits of Robin the Grill Girl taking down the iguana with her 22 caliber uh, pellet gun and then field dressing it right there. And Air then, rifle. 
uh, sorry, air air, air rifle, <laughs> and then leaving the head on to maybe do like that whole bacon wrap thing like they do with the uh, alligators too, where you wrap the whole meat in the bacon before you put it on the cooker, you know, because bacon kicks everything over the top, you know, and makes it, it viral. Yeah, right. Plus, uh, it's very lean. There's like no fat on these types of meat, you know, like that's bacon would be perfect. It'll, yes, yeah. that's exactly what I should Keep do. Keep it Thank moist, you a little right. flavor, of course. I'm here to help you break the internet whenever possible. Now, exactly. Let's do it. I teased in the open that next, uh, in two weeks, I, well, next week, I guess it is, that the embedded correspondence will be taste testing and evaluating the Subway brisket sandwich and the Arby's brisket sandwich. Now, the Arby's brisket sandwich has been out for years now, uh, but the Subway has just introduced their new brisket sandwich. So, uh, are, have you partaken in any of the Subway sandwich or the Arby's sandwich yet? No, that just seems wrong. But if I was going to partake, I would do Arby's because I don't know. Because I they just, have the meats? Because I just... Arby's <laughs> Bad joke, I know. Sorry. Well, I was about to say it because that is their tagline, but I don't think, like, Subway and brisket is, like, such a stretch, and brisket anywhere is a stretch, I feel like, but... Um, if someone's going to do it, and if I was going to try it, I'd rather do it at Arby's just because I actually think their sandwiches are pretty decent. So um, I feel like they would execute it better than Subway would. All right. Well, we're going to put that to the test here the next week for sure. Uh, uh, before I let you go, anything else that you're working on? Or I know uh, World Food Championships is coming up quickly and you're going to be in Dallas doing that. So how are you preparing? Well, that's the other thing. I really need to be focusing on that. I'm pretty sure I can't turn in a uh, grilled iguana. I think of that I definitely would not win <laughs> with iguana. Probably not. So, um, yeah, you know, it's um, no electricity. So I'm just trying to kind of get my game game together and my plating. Like, what do they provide? You know, because I've never done the World Food Championships. Oh. And the, the, the competitions that I have experienced, whether Memphis and May and the state cook-offs, um, and Memphis is kind of its own unique thing anyway, the way they do judging and everything. Um, so, and I'm, I really got tough competition because Christina Fitzgerald is one of the girls I'm competing against at the Firewoman Challenge. Mm -hmm. She just won the American Royal. Um, Tina Cannon has won it like two, this actual competition, like two times already. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple other girl, women, I should say, sorry, chicks. I call myself a girl, I'm 41. And I'm, I, you know, uh, so, um, so it's going to be pretty crazy. So I better bring my game face and just show up with my game face on and be focused and show, you know, just kick some ass. So, uh but I'm excited. What did, what did, did you said Christina Fitzgerald won the American Royal? Like, what did she well, win? They didn't win, win, win the Royal, but they, I think they, I think she and her team and her husband, they own a restaurant. Um, Sugar Fire. Yes. And they won first in chicken, I believe, and oh. something else. Okay. Um, so if any of you guys out there on the interweb want to send me tips or ideas on plating and what other people that you know in this category or the Firewoman Challenge, um, previously, I think they called it the, the cowboy charcoal fire and ice, yeah. what they've done in the past and what worked well. I'm, I'm all ears. You guys, I've been doing my own research, but I'd love my barbecue family to help me. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm stoked because what I'm doing is, uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, interviewing all of the females I'm competing against and putting the interview on my website. Oh, nice. so, so in the, in the, um, kind of true to form about grill girl, I want to highlight other women grilling too, and, and kind of share their story and some of their recipes. So, 
um, it'll be cool to, to meet them that way and also get to know them as competitors. So yeah, I'm stoked. And then if you guys didn't notice, which I, I've been quiet about it, but I am going to do a big giveaway and make a big um, make a big deal about it. I actually just did a rebrand. If you, if you look at my logo, it looks a little different than it did. So um, lots of changes going on around here. All right. You are busy as always. If you're not following her on Instagram, give her a follow at grillgirlrobin, 17,000 plus of you are already doing that. But if you're not Go ahead and do it. Great content there. And then what is it? Barn to house or what's the other one that you're doing separate to that barn to barn to what? I do, yeah, I just started the one that's kind of documenting our adventure of yeah. building a house out in the middle of nowhere uh, out in the country. Um, it's called Bungalow to Barn. Right. Bungalow and, to Barn. Sorry. Yeah. And if, before I jump, I do have to give a shout out to some of the, the guys I'm working with, like Smithfield and Kingsford. Check out some of the recipes I've done with them on my site. Um, so, yeah, always always lots of fun with you, Greg. And, uh, you know, I always love catching up with you, and you do a great job on the show. So Thanks. super happy you have me on here. All right, uh, Robin, we will see you again next month, and we'll talk then. Bye. All right, love there she is. There's Robin right there. Just like that, she's gone magically. I would suggest getting in touch with one Sylvie Curry, barbecue champion, who has taken at least once in the fire and ice competition, if I'm not mistaken. Finished uh, very well. I mean, she's like professional barbecue competitor for crying out loud. Sylvie Curry, if you didn't know. Southside Market Barbecue. Hold on a second. You know what? I'm going to save that. I'll save that. Uh, go check out the new logo. The rebrand. Brogirl.com is the website. Iguana recipe. Sounds like sooner than later. And, oh, damn it. I meant to ask her uh, if she's... Saving any weight for my no names please delicatessen here on uh, West 29th Street. I have to get to her uh, offline on that. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. She has a mad crush on you. No, she doesn't. Thanks though. Her husband is a real man who kills stuff and bought 200 acres of wilderness. Do you know how many hundreds of acres of wilderness I would buy? Zero. This stuff creeps me out. I am no man. Trust me, no man. Can't fix anything. I don't know how to fix cars. I don't want to hunt anything. No, 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 no. I'm a city guy. I like high-end steaks. And nice, comfy shoes. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We will be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, coming back at you with Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant, you're in luck. It's fully integrated with both. 
And you can buy yours at fireboard.com. If you have questions, you call 816-945-2232. When they sent me my fireboard, I didn't press it like right into use. But when I started using it, uh, it easily became my most favorite automatic uh, or uh, remote thermometer. I mean, it's got six inputs, so you can get a variance of, you know, this many pit temperature probes, this many internal probes. Uh, can even can or you can use one of those, or it's got a I forget what they call it, but a, like an accessory port on the side, so you can run a fan. So, to some degree, it's like automatic temperature control. All right. Uh, we're back with the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 